Well, good morning, my friends. This is podcast number 475 for Thursday, the 3rd of February. I pray that you are well. Grab your Bibles, grab your notepads. Um, We're in our ABC series and we'll be probably for another week. We'll finish up this week and then next week probably and be on to something else. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For the word of God, or the word of the cross, excuse me, is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the word, it's the power of God. Where is the power of God? It's in the gospel message, which is that Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, he died a horrible death sacrificially for you and I in our place. And then he rose again on the third day and is alive in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. That's powerful. We base our entire lives on that. If there is no cross, there is no death, there is no resurrection, then there is no life for you or for anyone else. When we're dead, we're dead. So look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, along this same line, the, the, the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, to also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, for, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith, not by works, not by church attendance, not by tithing record, not by being nice and walking the little old lady across the street. It's by faith, and it's the object of our faith, which is incredibly important. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ and his completed work. Today, I want to talk about obedience. Oh, but Gary, I thought you said salvation was free. Grace is unmerited favor. Absolutely true. But the moment that we respond to salvation and we respond to the pulling of God and we give our lives to Christ— and uh, the 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 grace of God is applied to our lives, and we're saved, and we're on our way to heaven. There's this walk of obedience. Any study, any historic study of the church showcases lives of obedience and sacrifice. And we're not talking about first century. We're talking about even today. Hundreds of people across the world are being are being martyred for their faith every day. Every day. And we should be praying for those in all of these countries. And the Christian church in the West is being marginalized every single day. Every single day. And we need to understand that marginal, um, marginalization is, is a form of persecution, but it's nothing like what we see around the world. I mean, lives are being lost every single day. And the great news of that is 2 Corinthians 5a, Paul says to be absent from this body is to be at home with the Lord. So that's a fabulous thing for them. But it's still persecution and it still requires a life of obedience. So let's go to Matthew. We'll start in the Gospels. We'll talk about obedience. Matthew chapter 7. Not the first gospel written, but the first gospel um, that we come to in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, and this is frightening, this portion of scripture. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. In the next two verses, it talks about uh, some pretty cool things that people would do for him. But Jesus says it's based on that relationship which leads to obedience. Relationship leads to obedience. He said, it's the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's the one that I know. Turn over to the book of Luke. The the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke was a Greek and a physician and a great historian. Luke chapter 11, verse 28 says, But he said, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. I'm doing a uh, study in Revelation on Tuesday nights with uh, uh, some people here at the house. And in Revelation chapter 1, 3, it's this promise given of hearing and reading and obeying the book of Revelation. There's these great promises. But Jesus says, you're blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Not just hear it, but hear it and keep it. We should be filling our minds with the word. Uh, The older I get, my kind of MO, my philosophy is I'm going to throw as much as at my mind as possible, like spaghetti against a wall, and see if some of it sticks. I don't memorize like I used to, but I pray and I ask God uh, that he he would help me to be able to remember. But, The main thing is I need to put it in there. I need to put it in there. So I try to fill my mind with the scripture. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells within you and will be with you. I'm going to ask the Lord because of your obedience and because of your love, because you're keeping my commandments, I'm going to ask him to send you another comforter and he's going to strengthen you. He's going to teach you. He's going to help you. He's going to give you what you need. But it's the walking in obedience to the commandments of the Lord that brings about these things. Well, am I earning my salvation? No. This is your salvation is a gift from God. But as we as we open that gift, we realize that within that, although salvation is free, I really believe um, a Christian walk will cost you everything. You have to be willing to lay down your life. That's maybe news to you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it was, you thought the language was figurative or symbolic. No, it's, it's literal. At the time of the, the writing of the book of Revelation, 11 of the 12 disciples were dead, martyred. John was the only one that was not. And the Apostle Paul was dead. And the Apostle Paul trained Timothy, and Timothy was dead. All because of their faith. That's the foundation in which we we build on. Tertullian mentions, uh, one of the church fathers, he mentions, well, 
maybe not a church father, but one of the early uh, teachers mentions the blood of the martyrs. Life in Christ is no picnic. If it is, then we're probably hiding in our houses and hiding that light that he's given us. Look at Romans chapter 6. Perfect time for this scripture. In Romans chapter 6 verse 15, look at this. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. I think the King James probably says, God forbid. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? He says, listen, we're slaves of either God or slaves to our sin. In the beginning of this book, in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, Paul opens by saying, I'm a servant. The word is, is D-O-U-L-O-S in the Greek. It is a bondservant. It is a willing servant. He's speaking to the Roman church, which he has not met. And in Rome, there were millions of slaves. So they would have understood what he was saying. I'm a slave. And Paul goes on to say, you're either a slave to sin unto death or you're a slave to righteousness unto life. Which is it? Which is it? Verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. You've committed to the teaching that I've given you. And having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I want to be a slave of righteousness. Well, I say that. But do my actions... Do my actions say that um, what, I, what I say is true? I pray they do. I want to be a slave of righteousness. Look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4. It says this. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. <laughs> John, John, tell it like it is. And he is. If you say you know him and you don't keep his commandments, the truth isn't in you. You're a liar. I'm a liar. I don't want to be a liar. I want to be a keeper of the truth. I want to be a slave to righteousness. I want to give my life. Uh, my first pastor ever, um, he used to say, I want to die on this platform preaching the truth. I want to give every ounce of my energy. And then he said this, which I thought was funny at the time, but I understand it more now. He says, at the very end, when I know I've got nothing left, I want to roll myself up and throw myself at the devil. And he lived his life that way. He gave his life as a tremendous man of God and tremendous pastor. And, and I, I think of him all the time. When I got saved in that church, it was I was 18 and I was, you know, I thought I was all that, you know, I was, I was young and had a 1967 Chevelle Supersport with a 396, I had a fast car, I had a job, I, I thought I had everything that I needed and then God got a hold of my life and my pastor saw in me something and uh, in the friends that 
that we got saved together. And he gave us the key to his study so that I could study the word of God. And I'm sure I told you the story before. He talked about three by five cards. And my buddy Larry Rogers, a pastor, he was a three by five card machine. He'd write the scriptures on them. And my pastor, I would ask him, I'd say, I don't understand these scriptures. He goes, don't worry about it. Plant the word deep within your heart and the Holy Spirit will bring it to you. He would explain scriptures to me, obviously, but there were many because I was memorizing scriptures every single day. And uh, and I, if you can see my desk today, there's probably a hundred three by five cards on my desk right now. Uh, studying a book, the book of Daniel, and I'm studying the book of Revelation, and I'm going through and I'll find a scripture and I'll go, whoa, what's that mean? And then I'll look up all the scriptures that reference it. Why? Because I want to be a slave to righteousness. And the only way I can know that is to dig deep into the word of God as an obedient servant. I'm not saying that to brag to you. I have so far to go. The more I read, the less I know because it opens up my world to bigger things. But I am not afraid of that. I want to stay in the word of God until I cannot do it anymore. And I hope that that's either when the rapture takes place or until I leave this world. Um, in fact, Janie told me the other day, if I die before she does, my tombstone is going to be in the shape of a three by five card. <laughs> oh, I love that woman. First Samuel, back to the Old Testament. First Samuel, chapter 15, probably one of the saddest things in scripture. Saul was king and Saul started out great. But Saul was not ending well. And in 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, he's given a mission from God. And yet he doesn't carry out the mission the way he's supposed to. And Samuel the prophet comes to him and we start in verse 20. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of the uh, Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites uh, to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to, dis to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gil Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft and presumption is, is as iniquity and idolatry because, listen to this sad word, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Saul did not obey what God told him to do, and it cost him the kingdom. Every time I read that, I'm saddened by it. But I also understand that what it means is that God does not desire sacrifices as much as he desires um, obedience. The sacrifice of church attendance, the sacrifice of your tithe, the sacrifice of your time, those are all good. But God wants obedience. God wants an obedience to his commandments. He wants you to be a slave to righteousness. Think about that. Write it down. God wants you to be a slave to righteousness. And what is that? It's obedience to the word of God. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 35. Jeremiah chapter 35. And Jeremiah the prophet is talking about uh, this obedience that we need. 
in verse 18, Jeremiah 35, 18. But to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his precepts and done all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to stand before me. What does that mean? That means because of the obedience, because of the obedience, there was always going to be a man of that family who had access to God because of obedience. I want to have access to God because of my obedience. Yes, it's because of the the finished work of Jesus Christ, but I want that to be continuing me as I'm obedient to him, to study his word and to pray and to talk to him and to seek his face. And then once he gives me direction from his word to go and to do. A few few, uh, pages over in the Minor Prophets, Chapter 6 of Micah. Write this down. You can look it up later. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. He's already told you. And what is it that's good? And what God, what does the Lord require of you? He says to do justice, to be a person of justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That word walk is this, is this, um, Obedient, um, keeping in step with God. And how do we do that from the Word of God? How do we do that? It's from keeping the Word of God. People say to me, Pastor, Pastor, um, um, I, I'm struggling with, with my walk with God. God doesn't speak to me. And yet the Bible is closed. They're not opening it. How does God speak to us? More than not, he speaks to us from his word. So we have to open up the Bible and we have to get into the word of God. We have to um, allow the word of God to take hold in our lives. Uh, Two more scriptures and we'll close. John chapter 8. A familiar portion of scripture because we hear this. In fact, there are... um, Universities that have this scripture in verse 32 over the top of their university. And it says this, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Oh, I love that. But let's look at the verse before it. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples, and you shall know the truth, which is the truth of the word, and the truth shall set you free. Last scripture until we close, Second Timothy chapter 1. Right after First and Second Thessalonians is First Timothy and then Second Timothy. If you get to Titus, you've gone too far. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul talking to Timothy, he says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit, the deposit of the word of God, the deposit of the gospel that's been entrusted to you. He said, follow the pattern. Christianity is follow the leader. 
It's follow the pattern. The pattern that was set by Christ, the pattern that was set by the disciples, the pattern that was set uh, by the apostles, the pattern that is written for us in the word of God. Follow the leader and and guard what's been entrusted to you. And that is the word of God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you until we talk again.